Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we have Mr. Luke McLeod, who is talking all things meditation. Now, he's gone out there and identified in the marketplace where things are going wrong. Again, where things are missing. There's a big key. If you've heard any of our most recent episodes where we've been talking about people where they haven't gone and created, he didn't invent meditation but he found out where the gaps were in the marketplace and he's really gone for it. So again, if you're someone who's really thought, you know, how could I optimize and improve something that I'm already using and doing and turn that into a business, you will not want to miss out on Luke's insights. And of course, he gives you a few tips and tricks for meditation as well. But without further ado, let's jump into the show. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Mate, absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to have a chat, mate, and see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I always like to ask one question, which is the same every time at the start of the podcast, which is if I met you at a party and we're chatting and I was like, Luke, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? The very short response is that I'm a meditation teacher which often actually leads to a quite a curious face response because they're like, oh, really? You don't look like a meditation teacher. <laughs> so that usually is, is quickly followed with probably about a five to 10 minute dialogue of why I'm a meditation teacher, what that involves and how it kind of came about. So that's the very short condensed title response that I go with meditation teacher. I love it. And seeing that there's a big wave behind you, do you do any surfing and does that form part of your meditation at all? <laughs> well, I grew up on the coast, up a little country town in Newcastle in the mid-north coast. So there's pretty much two things you either did if you grew up in Newcastle. One of them was surfing and the other one was playing rugby league. Now, I'm quite a tall, pretty skinny guy. So every time I played rugby league, I used to just get snapped. So I chose the other option and surf. So growing up, you know, surfing was a big part of my life. And that is a bit of a reminder for me. I'd like to go a little bit more now, but unfortunately, as you get older, as I'm sure you can relate, you don't have the amount of leisure time as what you would like. So I try to get out now and then, but yeah, it's not as much as I'd like, but it's still a very big part of my life. And I, yeah, I love the uh, getting in the ocean when I can. Yeah, love that. So, so tell us then a bit about the meditation side of things because obviously when people, as you said, like you don't look like a Swami guru from the Himalayas here teaching meditation. So how did you first get into it and what did you get? Like why did you get into it? Because I know a lot of people do meditation and normally there's kind of a reason for it. it might be you know performance, might be just to ground yourself or something like that. Tell us a bit of your background on that side. Well, it's a really good question because and particularly I think for this podcast and, and your listeners, It's because the original reason why I was attracted to meditation, I think it was quite different to why most people get into it. I think most people get attracted to it for some type of deeper calling to try and find some answers or maybe deal even with some emotional problems that they're struggling with, whether that might be anxiety or stress and something along those lines, which meditation is obviously great for those things. But for me at the time, which was probably about just over 11 years ago now, I actually remember reading an article in a business publication. I think it was the Harvard Business Review. And they did a study on really successful people in different fields, whether that was actual business or sporting and different creative fields. 
And one of the most common habits that they found through or characteristics that they found throughout everyone was that they meditated. And I just found that fascinating because at the time, I actually thought that meditation was for hippies that lived in Byron Bay and, you know, had a pet goat. <laughs> but, you know, I was looking at people like they, they were saying like the likes of Steve Jobs, Muhammad Ali, like these icons within different fields, they all meditated. So I was like, wow, okay, if these guys are meditating, this is something I need to give it a go. And so I gave it a go and I did find it really did help me out with my work. I, I felt like I was more focused throughout the day. I wasn't procrastinating as much. I felt clearer and more confident in the decisions that I was making within work. So it really kind of started off as almost a tool for work. And then it wasn't until probably about five years into the practice where I would use it regularly as that sort of tool to help me with work, where a series of things in my life kind of broke down, a business venture that I was involved in went south, a few other things in my personal life really kind of all broke down in a very short period of time. Like Literally within three months, I just felt like my whole life was just kind of concaving inwards. And that's when I really turned to the practice and it kind of opened me up to a lot more of the deeper, probably more emotional aspects that often get spoken about with meditation. That's also when I went to India and then really threw myself into the study and the teachings, the learnings, the culture of where it kind of comes from. And when I came back from that, I was just like, I've got to do more with this. And that's when I went in to start teaching it and uh, it's kind of led me now to where I am and, and what I do. Especially when it comes to meditation, it's, it's always interesting to hear how people and why they get into it and whatnot as well. Because I know a lot of people, they go, look, I, I know that it's important and I hear all these successful people say that they do it, but then they're like, I still don't know how to get into it properly because they're like, cool, I put on a meditation video from YouTube and I listen and I get distracted and it's like, it doesn't work for me. So like yeah. being that you're obviously someone who was in business looking for originally for performance and then coming to now teaching it. What are some of the like common misconceptions that you see about the way that people meditate? Because some people might be listening and going, all right, I've got to like light some candles, sit in a dark room on a special mat and, you know, mm, and just I'm going to start levitating. What are some of the misconceptions that you see around it for people so that you can, we can kind of eradicate those for, for everyone listening so that they can understand how they can get into it? A really good question and something that I'm really passionate about talking about because personal mission of mine is to try to normalize meditation a bit more. And one thing which I've found is it hasn't quite caught up with Western culture. And in some ways, I think that's a good thing because you obviously want to give respect and credit to traditional practices. But I also think that it can be confusing and also intimidating and can also have those sort of connotations with it, whether that might be religious or that woo-woo sort of element to it. So I really do try to kind of take all the good bits, the tradition, and but kind of also integrate in a lot more ways on how it can be used in, in today's sort of Western culture. So don't get me wrong though, when I first started out, I was sucked into that same sort of perception, you know, of going somewhere and sitting on a rock and sitting cross-legged and, and touching your index fingers with your thumbs. And I was just like, yeah, okay, but nah, this isn't working. So I did try that. <laughs> And then just through my own journey, it really kind of opened me more up to what it's all about. It really is an exercise. It's just kind of like fitness or eating well or getting enough sleep. I see it as just an essential habit or exercise that anyone and everyone should do to actually just live a healthy, good, strong life. So that's the first and foremost thing. Is that's the most simple way that I look at it. It's very universal if you look at it like that. 
And then secondly, we can start to get into breaking down a lot of the misconceptions and the usual challenges that people face, particularly in our times when approaching it. Probably the big one, I think when a lot of people like first get into it, most people think that they get frustrated with it because or they think it's about quietening the mind. And particularly if you have an active mind, if you're a busy person, you know, you, you run at that high level, at high frequency of go, 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 particularly in, in the business world, even the thought of that almost does one of two things. It even makes you more anxious because you're just like, oh, actually taking a moment to kind of sit and relax, just that in itself freaks me out. The other interesting thing is that it also, a lot of people think that it might take the edge off you. You know what I mean? It actually might kind of bring you down. It, you might lose that sense of hustle. These are the two sort of big ones, particularly in the corporate business settings that I often talk about. And the second one is I like to come back with when I got into meditation, what I found was that it actually started to help me be more productive and more focused. And as I said, like the original reason why I got into it was because people like who I really looked up to in that sort of business or, or sporting field like Steve Jobs and Muhammad Ali, these guys all meditated. So it was just like, it's kind of like the, the tortoise and the hare sort of parable, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is the tortoise ends up winning the race because he knows when to stop and to take his time and be present and looking around and so forth, where the rabbit or the hare is kind of sprints and then gets exhausted or sleeps and then the tortoise overtakes. So it's a really good metaphor or analogy to kind of relate to how meditation can overcome that preconceived perception of it. So there's that one. And the other one is when a lot of people start meditating, they think they're doing it wrong because there's this often associated component to it when your mind wanders off. That is when you're doing it wrong. And they go, I just can't get, I can't focus. I can't get my mind to stay on that point of focus where whatever it might have been, your breath or a mantra or something like that. But the secret that I found out or the lesson, I should say, is when your mind actually does wander off and you catch yourself when it wanders off, that in itself is meditation. It's actually an essential part of the process in itself. Like every time that happens and you catch yourself wandering off, that's like your brain doing like a bicep curl and it's a repetition. And every time you catch yourself, that's your brain getting a little bit more stronger, a little bit more malleable. And what will start to happen is the gap between the wandering off will start to lengthen. All right? And that's just the process of meditation. It's the repetition. It's just like the more reps you do, the bigger and the stronger your muscles will get. It's the same thing with what's going up here in your mind. So that's another really common misconception which helps a lot of people, particularly when they're starting out because they go into it and they get frustrated quite quickly You know, with that sort of like, oh, I can't do it. I just can't focus. And I'm like, no, 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 you're doing it right. This is actually an essential part of meditation itself. So there are a couple of other, and the last I'd quickly touch on is a lot of people see it or when they come into it as almost like a prescripted drug. And what I mean by like that is that it's like some one of their friends recommended to do it because they're going through a particular problem. Maybe even a GP even suggested that you do it because you've got high stress levels and so forth. So a lot of people almost see it like do this and it will fix that. And if you have that sort of mindset when you're approaching into it, you're not going to stick with it and you're going to see it like almost like a chore, like you have to do it rather than you want to do it. Rather than seeing it like that, I always like to say or suggest when people get into it is to kind of, if they've got that mindset about it, 
is to shift it to simply trying to see it as something that you really want to do, that you enjoy doing, that you can't wait to do, almost like it's your favorite meal. You know, it's something that you look forward to and you don't get sick of. And by just kind of shifting it to that way, then it removes the expectation and it also drops that sort of, oh, I've got to do it because I've been told to do it. And it moves to more something like you're actually excited and wanting to do it. And that mindset really helps actually with the effectiveness of meditation because you're dropping the weight of it and you're just simply going into it and enjoy it. You're dropping all the expectations as well. So they're probably the three really big ones, most common ones that people come to me and they struggle with, challenges, preconceived ideas that I enjoy to kind of talk them through and guide them through. There's a quote that floats around, which is like something along the lines of, and I forget who it's from. It's like, if you can't meditate for 30 minutes a day, it means that you should meditate for an hour a day. Something along the lines where it's like, if you couldn't find the time for 30 minutes, you need to do an hour because you're, you're too busy in life. And I forget who the actual quote is from. Is there, because I know for me and I think everyone else, when you are busy and you understand that there's benefits to it and whatnot, liking it to go into the gym, is there a, there might be the wrong way to describe it, but a minimum viable dose where you're like, cool, like start with, X amount of time, or is it more like a feeling or experience? So if someone's starting out, if they're going, should I shoot for just five minutes? Should I shoot for the half an hour? Should I be trying to do an hour? Is there that minimum viable starting time where you can go, cool, if I can do this regularly and then I can kind of build my way up, is there some sort of way? What's your like approach to that side of things? There's a couple of answers I'll give you on that. The first one is if people say that, like, what is the ideal time? The usual instant response is any time is a good time to meditate. Any time that you can find to kind of switch off and just take a, a moment to reset the body and connect with just life itself and what's happening right here, right now it is great. So if that's for a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long you've got, amazing. So that's probably the first sort of suggestion that I give. Then we can get a little bit more into what actually is recommended as far as to kind of that ideal sort of time frame to get the benefits, I think, of meditation itself. I certainly don't think that the longer you do it for, the more effective it is for you. You can still have amazing meditation sessions that go for an hour, but I mean, number one, who has the time to do that and, and put that time aside, particularly in, I think, a lot of our listeners, probably not. So I think the ideal, just from my own experience and journey, is probably... 20 minutes, if you can get 20 to 30 minutes, that's probably the ideal time frame for meditation. And it's quite similar, again, to fitness. You probably need to work up a sweat and to kind of in the intensity of what you do it at to actually feel the effects of it. Anything less than that is still good. It's still great. But I think you need to get to that 20-minute point. And then probably I reckon to 30 minutes is ideal. Anything more than that, and sure, you're still going to kind of really get quite deep into it if you can you know progress yourself to that stage but 20 to 30 minutes is probably from my experience the ideal time frame the quote that you said is is an interesting one as well i think you said it was around if you can't do it for 30 minutes do it for an hour which is a really good quote and what i mean by that is a lot of people even when they go into meditation they might do it for 10 minutes thoughts will come in where they'll say i can't do this or I'm bored, or this isn't for me. And then they kind of just go, right, that's it. I'm, I'm done with this. But one of the things I love to recommend or even to challenge people or just to tell them, this is going to happen. You're going to have that thought that comes in, which is going to say this to you. When that does happen, 
try to then challenge that particular thought rather than just kind of going, oh, that's enough for me. Yep, I'm on with my working day. Analyze that particular thought, that emotion that you're feeling. Whether, say for example, if it is, I'm bored of this. Now, if that comes in, usually that is a thought which comes in because it's suppressing. That thought is almost like a cover of a suppressed emotional thing that actually needs to come out and get sorted, right? But you're using that as an excuse to not deal with what having this space and that quiet time is bringing up. So if you can, when that thought comes up, look at it and go, no, okay, I'm going to push through this and I'm going to see what happens. Let's move that aside and I'm going to go back into the practice itself and see what happens, whether go back to the concentration of the breath or again, whatever you're focusing on, uh, your type of meditation is. Go back to that and just see what happens. So that's another sort of usual hurdle that a lot of people face and they try to use those particular excuses to go, no, not for me. I really do encourage people when that happens to take that approach because it can really lead to some pretty big breakthroughs. Amazing. That's great. And it's always interesting to hear. And uh, similar to, as you said before, like likening it to a gym, it's like when you try and tell yourself to stop, it normally means you've still got that little bit more that you could push, that you could do. And that kind of opens up the new areas of expectation and what you can actually achieve, which is always interesting. And I'd love to know from your point of view, from the way that you teach, and if we dive into a little bit of the business and the model that you have as well, because People, when you when you open up meditations, like I could go to India and learn meditation. I could go and download an app and a membership. I can go and listen to YouTube videos. How do you teach it so that it is obviously you're having great success with your business? How do you teach it so that it is effective? And and, and what sort of methods do you use to do that? Yeah, really good question. And this is the whole reason why I launched Solar Live, the the, the live stream meditation platform, which is what I do right now. What I mean by that is because I found that there was a gap in what was being offered right now within the sort of meditation space. So on one side of the spectrum, you have the meditation apps, which I'm sure you're probably aware of, the big guys like Calm and Headspace and so forth. They're really, really good. Don't get me wrong. They're great. But you need to be quite highly self-motivated to stick with it. Some of the research which they've looked at the apps is that they have a high sort of, they spend big on the front end as a lead funnel, get everybody in, but their drop off is really, really quick because yes, they try to do as much as they can to set out notifications to keep people engaged and so forth, but they do lack within that element of support and guidance. So they have quite a sharp drop off. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have say going to a local yoga or meditation studio or center. Right, You go there and you are going to get that level of support and guidance and throughout your journey and sense of community, which is going to help you to show up. There's class times and so forth. So there's also that level of accountability. The downside of that is that it, two things, it can be quite costly, right? So, you know, a drop-in class can be $30 just for one class. It's not as convenient, obviously, as the apps. You know, you can carry that wherever you want and do it whenever you want. So there was this sort of gap in the middle that I was like, how can I fill that gap? And brainstorming a few different ideas. And I was like, okay, well, what can I take from both sides and kind of make something in the middle? So Soul Alive is live stream meditation classes. So where myself is there and actually delivering the class live. 
So just like through any type of live stream platform, it has an opportunity for people to book into the class. They can engage with it. They can ask questions. They can also see who else is involved and so forth. So it meets those elements of sort of a studio element. It teaches there the support, the guidance, the community feel like you're showing up and you want to stick with it. But it also kind of hits the good points of the apps is it's all online. You can do it from home and it costs just a fraction of what you would pay to go to a studio. Yeah, I think we've kind of hit that spot in the middle. It's still early days, but so far it seems to be working quite well. So that's the reason why I wanted to actually launch Solar Life to fill that gap and to make it something which is really accessible, but also provides that element of support and guidance with it as well. Yeah, and I think obviously at the present time with having that available to people where you know everyone's in different various stages of being able to go out and do things and not, that convenience factor is just phenomenal. And I always think that it's whenever something comes through that is is new, but it's not like you haven't reinvented meditation. You've just gone like, cool, what's the missing part? Let me just work on that and provide that to people. And I think that's where you see the best things come out. And I know similarly for myself, it's as you mentioned, like when you have the apps and things like that, I even have like a headset, Muse headset and things like that. But you do have that level of self-motivation to do it and consistently. And even just having that option of booking in, I know even for the for the gym going, when I go and book myself in on a Sunday for all my classes coming up. I'm like, cool, I'm committed now. So I'm going to do it. Yes, yeah. is going, if I, it's just like, oh, you know, today was a long day. Maybe I won't go to the gym tomorrow. It's like, well, I've booked in. I don't want to let people down. For most people in today's society, having that level of accountability, but that level of flexibility is just perfect match made in heaven. So kudos on that side, because I think it's something that's so important for people that people need. Yeah. Thanks, man. It kind of came about just when I first started teaching meditation, I was doing a, a lot in the corporate sector because that's kind of where I had come from. And I felt actually that's where people needed the most help. <laughs> I'd left that sort of arena and just gone far out. Everyone's so stressed out in that space. So it just made sense for me to go back there and start there. But then I really wanted to launch something which was a consumer sort of service or product. Did some research and, and found that gap, and I was just like, "Well, how can I fill it?" And that's where we've Solar Live has come about, and it's going pretty well so far. Yeah, that's great. Now, as we get towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask the same question every time at the end, which is, "What's a question that I didn't ask you that I should have?" How can meditation help within a working environment or within a workplace? That would be the one that comes to mind. Do you want me to answer? Yes, please. <laughs> I've also just recently launched an arm of Solar Live, which is Solar Live Corporate. So this is where businesses can actually sign up their staff to get access to Solar Live and they can attend the classes as well. And the reason why I did that is because I really do think that mental health or mental well-being, mental health, that actual two words often cops a bad rap, maybe mental well-being or mental fitness is still a fairly underrated element within working culture. We talk a lot about sales and marketing and lead funnels and operations and finance, which are all very important parts of business. But at the end of the day, if up here in, in your mind with your team or if you're the CEO, the leader of a business, if that's not right, and what I mean by right, if it's not working well or to the level of which it should be, or if it could be working better, then it all starts with that, you know, So and then it filters down. So 
it fascinates me that the exercises like meditation, which is proven, scientifically proven to help with performance and your mental well-being, that it's not more embraced within the corporate working culture or dedicated time for it and things that are ongoing. So you might get, you know, come in and do a workshop now and then on communication skills or something like that. But meditation is such just a simple exercise that you can do a couple of times a week, which can really help out with your stress levels, your performance, your productivity, all of those things which we know and I'm sure you've heard of that it helps with. So that's probably a key thing that I'm really trying to focus and push more of is just to kind of say encouraging businesses and business owners to bring meditation into their working culture. Yeah, I think it's super important. And now that I know that you guys have a corporate arm, we'll definitely be sussing it out for some of our team because I know that it would definitely be hugely beneficial. So that's awesome to hear. And so if, if people have listened to us today and they're like, look, I like what Luke's talking about. I, I want to find out more about this. What's the best place for them to go and find out more, to connect with what you guys are up to? Where's the best place for them to go? Definitely the website is, so that's just soulalive, S-O-U-L-A-L-I-V-E dot com dot A-U. And you can jump on there and all of our links pretty much to our socials are on there as well. Give you a full rundown on what it's all about. There's a blog element to there. So that would be the first place I'd check out. If you want to go to the socials, you can do that as well. I use my personal one a fair bit as, as well, just because I think people like to relate to that a little bit more, the, the person behind the brand. That's just my name, just Luke.McLeod. And then the Soul Alive Instagram account, that's Soul Alive underscore official. And I had to make the official there just because <laughs> Soul Alive was taken. <laughs> So guys, wherever you're listening or watching to this, we'll have those links in the show notes. So either click through and check them out or click through to the site and click through. And just in case you want to double check the spelling, you will link everything up there. And if you know someone who's been thinking about meditation, like they've been on the fence about it, please make sure you share this episode with them so they can hear a little bit about Luke's philosophy on this. And then also they can potentially then go and check out Solar Live as well. But Luke, once again, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. Really appreciate it. Legend, man. Love the chat. Thank you. Cheers.